All right, good to have you here this morning, and let's go ahead and take our Bibles, and we're going to turn to a text here in the New Testament, and then we'll be turning to a text there in the Old Testament. But uh, let's start out with uh, turning to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Actually, actually, Mark chapter 9, if you will. Mark chapter 9. And uh, let's begin by reading in verse number 17. Mark chapter 9, verse number 17. It says, And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wherever he, he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And he brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and fell on the ground, and wallowed, foaming. And asked his father, How long is it? How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child, And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father child crieth out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I want to stop there here this morning as we consider some thoughts on faith and a struggling faith. The Bible says there in verse number 24, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Let's go ahead and pray as we consider a struggling faith. Father, thank you, Lord, again for this morning, and I thank you again for the word of God and uh, uh, truths of God, I thank you for the examples here of the Bible of a, a person here who definitely was in a place of struggling when it comes to faith. And as we consider this subject here this morning of a struggling faith, I, I believe it is not abnormal for a Christian to have struggles in their faith. And as we do, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to come to a place of uh, believing and trusting you. Again, bless this time as we meet here again today. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You know, I think about this uh, situation here in the Bible, and you're probably familiar with this uh, passage of Scripture here in the Bible, but uh, you have a passage of Scripture here in the Bible where a father had a son that had some major issues, some major troubles. He had troubles not just, you know, in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. And uh, as he was having these struggles, and we see in the Bible that he was, again, a, a son that had a spirit in him. So he was demon-possessed. It mentions there in verse number 17, it says, My son, which hath a dumb spirit. My son has this dumb spirit. And it mentions in the next verse that he asked the disciples to cast out this spirit. Verse number 18, it says, And I spake unto thy disciples, that they should cast him out, and they could not. And so this dad had a son who had a spirit in him. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was a, 
a demonic spirit and that spirit would hurt him and that spirit would seek to destroy him. That spirit troubled his son for however long or however old he was at that time. And it mentions there in verse number 20, it says, and he brought him unto him. And when he saw him straight with the spirit, tear him and he fell on the ground wallowing and foaming. He asked his father, how long is it since this came unto him? And he said of a child. You know, we see in this passage of scripture, a father have a son that's demon possessed. Possessed by a dumb spirit. He had had this spirit since he was a child. And this, this spirit would cast him into the fire, in the water. It mentions in verse number 22. It says, and oftentimes it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can believe anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this father was a man that I believe had faith, and the Bible mentions his faith, and it mentions also his struggle of faith. Jesus says in verse 23, he says unto this man, this father, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father, uh, sorry, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my un." belief. We see in the Bible someone struggling with faith, and you see tears shed by a father who's struggling in faith. You know, I think about faith, and our faith is not always what it should be. My faith is not what it always should be. I wish I could say my faith is always strong. I would, I would like to be able to say I have, again, a very strong faith, and people talk about their strong faith. You know, oftentimes I think I have more struggling faith than I do strong faith. This father had a son, and his son had an issue, a major issue in his life, and he was demon-possessed, and he wanted his son not to be demon-possessed anymore because his son would be cast into the fire and cast into the water to destroy him. And I don't know how he got away from destroying him. I don't know if dad came along and helped him or... Others, again, assisted him, but again, this son was in a very bad position. And someone says, why was he struggling in faith? Well, I say, first of all, he was struggling in faith because, first of all, he had a demon-possessed son from the time he was a child. And I haven't had a child like that, but I can't imagine what it would be like to have a, a son who seemingly was demon-possessed from the time he was born, or at least from the time he was a child. His son was demon-possessed, and it bothered him. It was perplexing to him. It was a burden to him. His son was in need of help, and there was really no one to help him. And sometimes we think about why do people sometimes struggle in faith? Because, first of all, because they're in a perplexing situation. They're in a situation they're in, and uh, there's really nothing they can do about it. His father had a son, and his son was, again, a, a son that had some major issues. And he, it was a perplexing uh, situation to him. And it was, again, a burdensome situation to him. And he wanted help, and he needed help. And he went to the disciples, and they couldn't help him. You know, when you struggle sometimes in faith, it sometimes results in you maybe wanting to seek help from someone else, and they can't help you. Maybe go to a friend of yours and say, I got this issue. And they don't seem to help you. Maybe go to your pastor and it doesn't seem like he can help you. Maybe go to 
a daughter or you go to your mother or you go to a sister and you say, I need some help here and they can't help you. They don't seem to help you. You know, when it comes to life, we deal with times of struggling faith, just like this father. I mean, I think about this father and someone says, why was he struggling? He was struggling because he had a demon-possessed uh, son for a long time. He was struggling because he needed help and nobody was willing to assist him or to help him. He was struggling, thirdly, because I think he was told to believe and then he had difficulty believing. Have you ever been in that situation? You're told to believe. Maybe no one oddly tells you to believe, but the Bible tells you to believe. And then you have a, a difficulty believing. In verse 23, it says, Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so one might say, well, the, the situation is simple there. If he just would believe, it would all be settled. Everything would be good there. But you know, the problem was, just like I've seen in a father before, he was struggling with unbelief. And it says that in this verse here, verse 24, in straightway, which means immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Believe what? Believe, I don't know exactly what he believed, but he didn't believe completely. He didn't believe wholeheartedly because he wouldn't have said there, help thou my unbelief, if he totally and simply believed. You know, the reality is we struggle in faith. I struggle with faith sometimes. A pastor can struggle in faith. Any Christian can struggle in faith. We are at times in situations where we are encouraged to believe we see in the scripture we should believe. But yet we struggle to believe. We may not be like this father and, and, and cry out with tears and say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, but we just don't have the faith that really is a complete faith and a strong faith. You know, I see this example of the Bible of someone struggling faith and I see in this passage in verse number 23, it says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And, and you'll have a lot of people, again, cite verse number 23. But again, you really don't know the context of verse 23. They just will say, If you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And you say, Well, you've got to just believe. And if you really, really believe in it, you really, really trust in this situation, you really hope in this situation, and you really are praying in this situation, or whatever it might be, then you get it. But in this context, in verse number 24, it says, Straightly the father child cried out, and he said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Someone says, he didn't really believe. And would they be wrong in saying that? Well, you see, you look, he says he did believe. It says there, and he says, Lord, I believe. It doesn't stop there. Helped out my unbelief. You know, sometimes, you know, we can say, I believe. But there's that unbelief that's still there. I believe you can save my son. I believe you can deliver my son. But yet at the same time, 
you see that semblance of a lack of faith. You say, what did Jesus do here? He says, buzzer. Well, you don't get to see your son saved from this situation. You don't get to see your son healed because you still lack faith. You don't have the faith I told you have to have. What does it say there? Verse number 25, when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no man into him. The spirit cried and rent him sore, and he came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You know, we wonder sometimes why some things cannot be accomplished. Why is it that sometimes things don't happen as we would like them to happen? You know, the disciples were wondering, hey, wait a second. This guy asked us to cast him out, but we couldn't do it. And they asked him privately, verse number 28, why could we not cast him out? And he said, this kind cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's some things that can't be accomplished without prayer and fasting. And that's not the message here today, but I want you to take that with you. There's some things that can't happen without prayer and fasting. You know, maybe there's a situation in your life you're thinking, I want to see this person saved. It may not be accomplished, but by prayer and fasting. And again, we see in the Bible this example of faith, and I, I see this example of struggling faith, and one might say, uh, do you ever struggle with faith? Do I ever have perplexing situations? Absolutely. Am I ever faced where I want help and I don't seem to see and find it? Yes. Do I sometimes say, yes, I believe, but yet, in some ways I don't? In this passage of scriptures, we see the grace of God in believing. And I just want to mention that, again, when it comes to the grace of God in believing, you see, even if we have some unbelief, in verse number 24, this is truly here. I'm not going to hide it here. I'm not going to start, stop here in verse number 24 and get rid of help thou my unbelief. I'm not going to say this guy said, I believe, and he said this just with tears. He said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. You know, we can and do struggle in faith. And sometimes we wonder, is this supposed to be happening in my life? Struggle in faith. You see this in the Bible, struggles of faith. And again, we're not going to look at all these different examples of people that struggle in their faith. We, again, all of us know about Downing Thomas and his struggle of faith. All of us know about different people, even the disciples included, again, those that were strong in faith that struggled in faith. You say, why does this happen? I believe a lot of it has to do we start to question why. Just like this guy did. We ask why. I spake on that the disciples and they should cast him out and they could not. I don't get this. Why? 
Why is it sometimes we struggle in faith? Because we begin to ask questions why. We ask questions like, why is there so much evil in the world? Or why did so-and-so die? Why did so-and-so get away with murder, so to speak? Why was a police officer killed in Fargo? Why was a guy, when I, just, I was just out enjoying time with uh, Tracy's dad there on the lake, did we find out about a guy that had fallen overboard and died? You know, what was he doing? You say, well, how did he die? 72-year-old guy trying to unravel some of the fishing string from the motor, fell over into the lake, drowned, died. Didn't have a life preserver on. As many people know how to swim, you know, they got to have that life preserver on, but he didn't have it on, and he died. His wife tried to throw some things to him, and he died. I would guess that she's wondering why. I would, I would guess if they had children, those children are wondering why. I, I, I wonder sometimes why. You know, why, why do sometimes innocent citizens lie in jail in places like America? Why, why, why are sometimes you look around and say, I just don't get why this is going on in America? You know, I think a lot of the reason we struggle in faith has to do with us questioning God and wondering why. Why couldn't the disciples cast this demon out? And we, we learned that, again, that it dealt with the grace of God and the mercy of God and, and, and belief in God. This is how this, this, uh, this spirit was finally cast out. But as we consider questioning God and wondering about what God is doing, we all can have a faith like that, that just struggling. Have you ever struggled in faith? Are you struggling today in faith? We struggle tomorrow in faith. Let's turn back to the book of Habakkuk, and I'm going to spend some time here in the book of Habakkuk as we see a prophet and a preacher wonder why. A prophet and a preacher wonder why. And you, you say, well, that's, that's not a good thing. I mean, his father was wondering why, and we get why he was wondering why. But why was this prophet and preacher wondering why? We'll see some things here. Just reading back here. Again, it's like the fifth or sixth back from the Old, Old, Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 1 through verse number 4. Habakkuk 1, verse number 1. It says, The burden of Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear. Even cry out of thee of violence, that will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievances? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment never goeth forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. You know, you look at this prophet, and what does he see? He sees his country a mess. 
And let me ask you, if an average believer sees their country as a mess, would it be natural maybe for them to ask God why? You know, I think about our country, I think, you know, Lord, why? Why why is this going on? And we as believers can question in our belief. We don't understand God. And, 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 And as this prophet says here, He doesn't understand why God doesn't seem to answer or to be in a situation where he does anything. He says there in verse number one, he says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear, even cry out of thee of violence, and thou will not save. You know, when it comes to, again, uh, struggling faith, often that faith is in questioning God. We question God, you know, why did this happen to me? Or why isn't this happening to me? Or why is this going on? Or why am I here? Why did this occur? You know, we see here in the Bible someone questioning God. And someone says, is questioning God something that believers do? Yes, it's something that believers do. People will say, don't question God. You'll hear that sometimes. Don't question God. Really? I must be a weird believer. I do question God. Here, he's questioning God. He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou will not hear. He's questioning God. He's questioning God. He's asking God, you know, why am I crying? Why am I talking? Why am I speaking to you? Why am I petitioning you? It doesn't seem like you're listening at all. You know, I think about, again, believers in struggling faith. Again, when my faith is struggling, I'll question God. I'll question what he's doing. I'll question even his motives. I'll question his character. You say, you question God's character? All kinds of people in the Bible question God's character. They'll question God. Peter said, not so, Lord. (laughs) Not so. You're not going to go and get killed. Not so, Lord. That's not going to be how it's going to go. And we see again in this Bible the, 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 the possibility of someone asking this question, how long? How long? I think about how long. That's really what that dad was questioning. How long? How long am I going to have to put up with my son having a dumb spirit that tosses him into the fire and the water and nearly takes his life? How long, Lord? How long will this be? Habakkuk says, how long? Are we going to have to live this way? How long are we in this position? It mentions in verse 3, For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceeds. What does he see? He sees, again, a mess. People are being spoiled. There's violence. There's people, again, causing strife and contention. There's laws that are being slapped, and there's judgment that doesn't seem to go forth. And uh, he sees all this around him, and he asks God, how long? You ever think that way in those terms? How long until the Lord returns? How long is God going to put up with what's going on in this world around us? How long are the days of Lot, or how are the days of Noah? How are the days of Lot? What is it going to be like when the Lord does return? We ask God why. We ask him, 
a simple question. How long? We ask sometimes this second question that Habakkuk asked God. He says, in verse number two, the last part of the verse, it says, and I cry out of thee of violence, and thou doth not save. The second question, again, Habakkuk asked, well, why don't you save God? Why don't you deliver us? Why don't you take away from us this spoiling, this violence, this strife, this contention, this, this law being slack, the judgment not going forth, all these bad things seemingly in our society, we don't want them. We think about America, and we think about, oh, the heathen, and how they rage, and how foul they are, and all the things that are going on with the confusion about the sexes, confusion about what is right and what is wrong, confusion about what is good and what is evil, confusion about the environment and science and all these kind of things. And we say, Lord, why don't you save? Why don't you save? You may wonder, again, we pray for someone, we say, why doesn't so-and-so get saved? We question God. Listen to Psalm chapter 22. Maybe you don't. I doubt if you don't, but I, I just throw that out there. Maybe you don't question God. Maybe you don't ask God at times. You know, why is this happening here? Why am I going through this? Why did I lose my job? Why is so-and-so in a straits now? You know, that person was doing a lot of good. They were helping someone out. They're trying again to rescue this person, and, and now they're gone. I just don't understand at all why. Psalm 22, and uh, I want to look at part of this chapter. Again, this is a Psalm of David. And uh, we think about the great faith of David. You're probably one of the people you'd say least likely to struggle in faith. But if you read through the Psalms, you'll see his struggle of faith. But you see it especially in this chapter. It's very similar to Habakkuk's faith. He's struggling here too. It says in Psalm 22, verse number one, it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, and thou hearest not. In the night season, and am not silent. For thou art holy, and thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou did deliver them. Now you see the heart of David there in verse number one, he says, why have you forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And uh, again, he talks about him crying out to God. And the Bible says in verse two, but thou hearest not. The same accusation, I say, in a sense, that Pacquiao used, he says, don't, you're not hearing me. I mean, I'm crying, you're not hearing me. Well, we know God hears everything. God knows everything and all those kind of things. But he says, you know, you're not hearing me. And you've, he says, you've forsaken me. But he also mentions in verse number four, our fathers trusted thee and thou didst deliver them. And so he's not someone without any kind of faith, but he's certainly in a place of struggling faith. And he's a place where he says, you know, God's not hearing me and I'm not getting uh, God's attention. And again, we think about sometimes when we pray, it seems like that. We don't, we don't have God's attention. We don't feel like he's hearing us. But as you read through this psalm, you'll see his faith increase, his trust in God increase. I'm not going to read through all of it. 
uh, not even close to all of it, but let's pick up in verse number 24. It says, For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. So David's certainly in that position. He's afflicted, and, and God doesn't despise it. Neither hath he hid his face from him. When he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pray my vows before them that fear thee. The meek shall not, the meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord, shall seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before him for thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among nations. I read this last part of the chapter because you see his faith return. You know, you, you sometimes are in a position, again, when, when uh, you are in life or maybe, again, like these prophets or preachers, like this father, again, where you're saying, you know, I'm not hearing. It doesn't seem like you're listening. And uh, we see again here, again, Habakkuk call out. We see David call out. We see this dad call out. And they're all saying the same general thing. Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you helping me? You know, you see here in the Bible, people question God. Let's turn it back to Habakkuk. And again, a reason, again, to look at Habakkuk is it is a, it is a uh, again, it's known as a book of faith. Now you say it's a book of faith. Well, it certainly doesn't sound like it starting out here. Yes, this is chapter one of Habakkuk. And it's a, it's a chapter of a faith mixed with unbelief. And uh, someone says, well, I don't, I don't like that. That's not the kind of faith I like to see in the Bible. I like to see the faith of Caleb. Give me that mountain. No matter how hard it is, give me that mountain. I want to see the faith of David. I can do this. I can take care of this. Philistine. I want to see the faith of Caleb. We are well able to overcome. But yet we see a different faith there. And there's nothing wrong with his faith here. But he asks these questions. Why don't you save? Why don't you listen to me? It's been so long. And why do you show me the evil of the nation? Why show me this? Verse number three, it says, Why does thou show me the iniquity it caused me to behold the grievances. Why can't I just be ignorant of what's going on? You know, we're, we live in a day and age where there are a lot of believers, they just don't want to see anything about what's going on. You say, why don't they want to see anything about what's going on? Because it's hard to see what's going on. It's hard to hear what's going on. It's hard to take in what's going on. But this prophet had to take it all in. He's seen the violence, he's seen the division, he saw the injustice. He saw the lawlessness. He saw all that was going on. And he was saying to God, you know, why? Why is this going on? Why all this evil in the nation? Why are you allowing this, God? Why do you, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people? Why are the judges so unjust? Why are the rulings so unfair? Why is everything so wicked and warped? And you'll see why. Because God is about to judge that nation. Verse number six. Let's, let's read verse five. Behold, ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, 
which ye will not believe, though it be told you, for I, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. It goes on and says a number of things, but I just want to pick up in verse number nine. It says, they shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup at the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. They're going to come in, destroy, they're going to pillage. They're going to take care of this nation. And God's going to be fine with it. Or at least he's telling them this is what's going to happen. And uh, what if you heard that was what is going to happen in America, Canada, or whatever nation it might be? You know what? You see all this mess that's going on, and you know what's going to happen? Another wicked nation, a, a, a nation that's more wicked than yours, is going to come along and judge. You say, that's not, that would never happen. That couldn't happen. That's exactly what was going to happen. And it mentions here in verse number uh, 13 and following, uh, we see him question. Actually, let's read verse number 12 also. It says, Art thou not for everlasting, O Lord, my Holy One? We, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. Oh, and, and Almighty God has established them for correction. Thou art a pure eyes to be holy and canst not look upon iniquity. Wherefore, uh, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he or makest men as fishes in the sea as creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up them the, all these things and it says in verse number 17, shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? Again, uh, here we see again Habakkuk question. And his question is basically along the lines of how in the world are you going to use a wicked nation to chasten us? It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. You know, God has used in the past, and again, we see in this passage of Scripture, he was going to use the Chaldeans to chasten God's people. I did that with sometimes the Philistines. He did that with all kinds of different people back in the Judges. You can go back there and look at that if you'd like. But God describes, again, this nation as being dreadful and violent and wicked and all these kind of things. And he asks this question, why are you going to use the heathen? This doesn't seem right. You know, again, when we think about, again, God's judgment, sometimes we say uh, God certainly would not use the heathen, again, to judge the righteous, especially at people more righteous than the heathen. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Is this the way God always and ever works? No, it actually is the way that sometimes God works. God sometimes will allow the heathen to chasten and punish, again, a nation that needs that punishment so that they might be humbled before God. And then he comes back and he he uh, punishes the heathen for what they did wrong. And someone says, well, that's wrong for him to use them. He's not really using them. They're just being allowed to take advantage of a situation. In Proverbs 16, verse number four, it says, the Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. 
the wicked for the day of evil. Someone says, I don't quite get this. I don't say I quite get this either. But it's part of God's ability to use the wicked to chasten God's people that are erring. And you do see uh, uh, places in the Bible that speak about this. But let's turn back to Habakkuk. Again, as we think about, again, a struggling faith, what we see when a struggling faith is normally a series of questioning. And I, I've questioned. I've questioned. But you also see, again, when a place of struggling faith, you'll see a place of waiting. It's verse number one. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch and see what he shall say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. We see a waiting. You know, a lot of times when we struggle in faith, there's a waiting time. And again, when it comes to waiting, nobody likes to wait. And I've said that before hundreds of times, probably nobody likes to wait. There's a waiting time. And uh, there's also, as it mentions here in this, this, this chapter, it mentions again in, in a believer's life, there's a waiting time, but there's also usually an answer-giving time. And uh, he says, I'm going to wait for an answer from the Lord, verse number one. And then verse number two, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write in the vision and make it plain in the tables, that, it, that he that may run may read it, and the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end of it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will come. It will not tarry. And then it goes on in verse number four. It says, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You know, I think about a waiting time, and someone says, what is this waiting time, again, supposed to breed or what does it bring as a result or what is the fruit of this waiting time the result normally is faith the normal result is faith there's sight to begin with and as we see there it mentions back there in chapter one these are the things that the prophet did see and he did see things and i see things and others see things and all these kind of things but you see in this passage of scripture you find again there's a time of waiting and while he's waiting He's waiting for an answer. Why is this going to happen? And I'm not going to look at these, but you see in verse number 6 and verse number 9 and verse number 12 and verse number 15 and verse number 19, you see five woes pronounced against Babylon. God would judge Babylon in his time. And he would judge them in a right manner. And uh, mentions again in, the, in this chapter in the Bible that Babylon would not get away with, again, uh, its, its, its wickedness. And although, again, again, a person might say, you know, it seems like uh, things aren't going quite right, or again, I don't see to get an answer from God in this situation, God is still working behind the scenes. This prophet was waiting. And as he was waiting, he was supposed to be doing something. What was he supposed to be doing? Well, look back at verse 4. It says, the just shall live by his faith. He's supposed to be trusting. He's supposed to be trusting while he was waiting. God, I don't see why this is happening. And he finds out that Judah's going to be chastened for them sinning. He finds out that Babylon's going to be punished for their sin also. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, what's, what's all this happening? And why is all this happening? Verse number 20 it says, but the Lord is, on his holy, is in his holy temple that all the earth keep silence before him. What is he seeing? 
He's seeing that God is still on the throne. You know, he might look at what's going on in his life, and we can look on and, and what's going on in our life, and the reality is, by faith, he could see God sitting on his throne. It says that the Lord is on his whole, in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. In other words, Habakkuk might have been speaking a little bit out of turn for sure. He might have been saying things that indicate that there was a realm of faith and there was also a, a place of unbelief in his thinking. But he realized that God is perfectly sovereign and that God is in control. He's in his holy temple and let everyone in the earth keep signs before him. That includes me. You know, sometimes in difficult times, it's easy for us maybe to question God and yet we find out it's best maybe just to sit back and watch. Back to chapter 2, verse number 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. You know, when we're walking by faith, we should be watching, we should be waiting, and we should be expecting an answer. I will find an answer when I'm reproved. Again, you see sometimes when you look in the Bible and say, I'm looking for an answer from God. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so I'm looking to the Bible for an answer. What should I do in this situation? Well, I should stand, so to speak, and I should stand in the right place. I should listen, and I should expect an answer. And again, we find again, what is the desire of this prophet? The desire of this prophet is to see his nation saved and spared. Does he get away from ever believing this or desiring this? We'll look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1 and verse number 2. This prophet never gets away from believing that God, again, can spare and God can save. In fact, you see again his faith here in verse number 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigonoth. A, a, o Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of thy years. In the midst of thy years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. And so he's agreeing to the fact that God's going to judge Judah. But in the midst of this judgment, he wants God to remember mercy. Habakkuk here encourages God to do his work. He is fine with God's judgment in this work. And again, we think, you say, what is faith? It's believing that God is doing all things well. It's believing that God is doing what he is supposed to do and should do. You know, Jesus said, there in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. You know, Habakkuk had to realize he might have won the nation spared, but God won the nation judged. And sometimes we, we struggle and say, I don't get why this is happening or what should be going on in this situation. And I think we should go back to verse number 20. It says, the Lord is on his holy, in his holy temple that all the earth keeps silence before him. We should be standing. Yes, we should be looking for an answer, but we should be praying. And the Bible says in verse number two, what should we be praying for? Uh, revive thy work in the midst of the years. We should be praying some 
for a reviving and for a revival. Habakkuk was a prophet of faith, yet he was struggling in faith. He was wondering why. Why doesn't things seem to be going the way that they should be? And he hears again what's going to happen. He finds out what's going to happen. And you get to the last chapter and he asks for revival and he asks for mercy. In other words, he's asked for God not to punish them as they deserve. But yet, they will be punished. He knows this. And I want to just go back, uh, go to the end of the chapter, just look at a few verses there. You see the faith and trust of Habakkuk. And again, I, I just want to say this, in times where we have perplexing situations, we have difficult situations, long-term situations that don't seem to go the way that we'd want them to go, what is the result of these situations? Well, it might not be what we'd like to see, but yet, notice his response here, verse number 17, it says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vines, and the labor of the olive shall fall, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, Yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He maketh my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Despite all these bad conditions, despite him knowing what's going to be a result of the savagery of the nation that comes against Jerusalem, and he can look in the fields and see by faith, the vineyards being destroyed, the flocks being destroyed, the herds being destroyed, the food supply being depleted to a large degree. He says in verse number 18, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I would join the God of my salvation. Someone says he's out of his mind. No, he's seeing that he still has a faith and trust in God that will take him to be with the Lord someday. I will join the God of my salvation. It's only human sometimes to be troubled, perplexed, questioning what's going on. Let's turn back to the first part of this chapter. I'm just about done here. We see again with Habakkuk, him questioning God. We see him waiting and watching and knowing what's going to happen in the future. We're going to see him again looking down the road and understanding exactly to a large degree because he is a prophet what's going to happen in the future. And we say, what is he doing about what's going to happen in the future? Is he praying for mercy? He's praying for revival. He's going to walk by faith and not by sight. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 9. These have things in common. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 9. I want to read a few verses there before I close here this morning. Mark chapter 9, verse number 22 we think about faith, and we think about faith as being strong. And there are times when our faith is indeed strong. And with strong faith, I believe, again, we can overcome the enemy. But even with a weakened faith and a weaker faith, or as in this case, I believe, a struggling faith, we can see God work. And someone says, how can we see God work? I, I mentioned, I'm going to go back to verse number 29. This kind, this kind cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Again, I say to, today that, that there's some things that you need to deal with with prayer and fasting.
But I also want to say this in this passage of scripture. It says in verse number 22, it says, And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And he said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father child cried out, said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And again, you see the results of his faith. And you see his son delivered. And uh, again, I see, again, as you look at this passage of Scripture, can you not see here a guy who's struggling in faith? And someone says, I struggle in faith. Then pray, help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. And as a result of this, I believe our faith will be stronger. Let's close as we consider some thoughts about a struggling faith. Your faith needs to turn to trust. Trust in God. No matter what's going on in your life, our, our faith needs to turn to trust. Let's close as we consider the word of God.